All right, um, Loretta and Brenda, can you launch our meeting for us? Loretta, do you want to call the time? I put her, hold on. Hey, Loretta, you're gonna to need to unmute yourself. There was a lot of feedback, so I temporarily muted you. There, better? Yes, thank you. Sorry about that. Sorry, Brenda. <laughs> okay. okay. So the time is 12.09 and um, Great. this is the, yeah, this is the um, tree, our, our retreat reflection planning <laughs> meeting, I guess. And Damon, do you have something to say? I think first we're gonna do roll call. Oh, oh sorry, 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 sorry. Yep. Yeah. Gosh darn it. Go ahead, Brenda. Thank you. Lorita Mellon. Present. Niha Banger. Lucia Angel. Here. B. Franks Walker will not join us today. Richard Harvey Jr. Present. Eric Murphy will not join us today. Mark Smith. Mark, you have to unmute. He's muted. Can you there hear me? You there you go. Thank Sorry you. It's okay. Khalil Toki will not join us today. Ali Yassin? Present. We have a quorum. And I think Neha has also arrived. Oh. Hey, everyone. Okay, great. Hey, Neha. Okay, Damon, did you want to start out with something? Sure, thanks so much. Uh, you can go ahead and go to the next slide. Great, so we, um, I really wanna thank uh, Lucia and Richard who were part of our um, retreat planning task force and helped us think through the best way to engage the co-applicant board today um, to, to do our, um, you know, our concentrated strategic planning altogether. And, and one of the things that they emphasized was trying to um, just zoom out and think about, you know, where we are and what it is that we're charged to do um, as a co-applicant board. And so I often return to the um, history of the community health center movement, which we're a part of. So these are pictures from the very first community health center in the United States. Um, on the left is Dr. H. Jack Geiger, who's uh, was a was an activist and a journalist before before becoming a physician and actually went to uh, visit the kind of prototypical community health centers in South Africa and brought that model back to the United States, um, which was really based on combining public health and primary care in the same organization. And then on his right is uh, is John Hatch, who's talked about less, but just as amazing. He He's, uh, he was a social worker, actually, um, ultimately became a, a doctor of public health as well. Um, and he was the first hire at the Delta Health Center. And he's the one who really organized the, the community board at the, um, at the Delta Health Center. So he 
he went around in, in the community of Mount Bayou and found people who were community members and, and organized them into a board to decide what they were going to do about the health of the population there. Um, as, as Dr. Geiger said, uh, the basic idea of a community health center was that you had responsibility as a health center, as physicians, not just for the individual patient, but for the health of the entire population. So that was really the organizing principle behind the health center. And they really charged the board and the structure that they designed um, to carry out that responsibility. So in the example of the Delta Health Center, um, one of the things that the board did was to actually purchase 300 acres of land in response to the fact that there was widespread malnutrition in the area they were working in. So, you know, they started out prescribing food and taking the pharmacy budget and paying for food and doing those things, but they realized that that really was only kind of, you know, uh, knee deep in the problem. They needed to really get deep in the issue. And they figured out if they had land, they actually had the expertise to grow their own food and, and solve this root cause of what the health issues were that they were addressing. And so that was not something that, you know, either Dr. Geiger or Dr. Hatch as, you know, the, the kind of expert thinkers, you know, behind the health center model even thought that they were going to be doing, right? It came from the community itself actually charging them with, with addressing the root causes of poor health. And Dr. Geiger ultimately credited that, um, that co-op farm that they developed with really um, dramatically reducing rates of malnutrition in the population around Mount Bayou. So I wanted to share that story just um, you know, in response to, to Lucia and Richard's request that we really think through what our responsibilities are as a co-applicant board and the kinds of things that we can give direction about. We really are here to, to think about what the population of people experiencing homeless need. And we've been doing that you know, for a long time, but then also to really give direction um, to me and Heather and to the rest of the staff at Alameda Health System about the kinds of strategies and the bold strategies that we wanna to undertake to address those health issues. So a little bit of what we're gonna get into today, you can go to the next slide. And if you guys have had a, a chance to see the agenda, I'm not going to go through that in any detail. You can go to the next slide, Brenda. Um, so where the retreat fits in the strategic planning process is really at this point of going from learning about all the things that are happening in the health center. You know, we've, we've had presentations around community needs that Wanda came in and presented us, um, you know, the, the um, kind of broad overview of a needs assessment. We've heard from partners. We've done an updated SWOT analysis. We've seen budget data, utilization data, quality data. And we sort of understood the big picture. We've been broadening our understanding of what the health center is. And here today at the retreat, we wanna to start to actually synthesize what it is we've heard and begin to prioritize and start making some choices about over the next three years, the kinds of things that we wanna pursue as a health center. And so we're not gonna to get to the end of you know, those convergent priorities today. You all will have a chance later in the process to evaluate some drafts that Heather and I put together on the basis of what we talk about today and our other meetings. Um, but we really wanted just to start generating some ideas about the things are that we that we jointly care about as a co-applicant board and the places that we want to focus over the next few years. Next slide. Um, so our, our real tangible goals are to identify some themes and that's a lot of what the homework exercise was about and what we're going to spend a chunk of time with Heather leading us through today. Um, and then connect those themes to the core principles that we use to manage the ambulatory um, services department at Alameda Health System. And that way we can be really, um, you know, uh, aligned and tied into the management processes that we're using with an ambulatory to guide the, 
the, the larger um, you know, set of services that our homeless health center is a part of. And then at the end of the meeting, just to begin to brainstorm some conceptual goals, Heather and I will add to that brainstorm along with other staff from, you know, from, from AHS. Um, but we wanted to get started just hearing from you, you know, connected to the themes and priorities. What are some particular goals that we, we might want to focus on? Um, so that's going to be the outline of what we do today. <laughs> and then experientially on the next slide, our goal is really to get beyond presentation. So we really want to make sure that today is an opportunity for members to actively share their thoughts, their experiences, to engage with each other's ideas, to ask questions and probe for areas of agreement with each other, but also to really, you know, help to flesh out where perspectives may differ and where we have some tensions that we need to consider or think about as a, as a board. And, um, you know, our goal is really to make sure that all of you as members feel well supported and well heard in the conversation today. Next slide. So I think, uh, oh, another thing I wanted to say was that I am an ex officio member of the boards. I do not have voting capacity, but I am going to exercise my kind of um, role as a member of the board today. And that's one of the reasons we've handed a lot of the facilitation to Heather so that I can kind of participate in conversation and dialogue with you all um, as, as a fellow sort of member of the board. Um, that said, I, you know, when it comes time to approve the plan, it will absolutely be the co-applicant board voting without my participation in, in terms of um, voting for the final plan, which will happen a couple months down the road. And with that, I'll hand it over to Heather. Thank you so much. Um, so one of the first things on our agenda today is to review our mission, which you can see in front of you right now. This is what it currently says in our co-applicant agreement. And we had some feedback throughout the year around what um, we were interested in in a mission statement. So the current one says that the co-applicant board shall work cooperatively with the Alameda Health System Board of Trustees to support and guide the health center in its mission to provide comprehensive health care that is quality driven, affordable, and culturally competent to individuals experiencing homelessness in um, Alameda County while ensuring compliance with HRSA grant requirements. We had additional concepts from other organizations here reviewed, for example, grounded in human rights and social justice. This comes from the National Healthcare for the Homeless Commission. Council. Council, thank you. It's that last C, right? Um, the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council's mission is to build an equitable, high quality healthcare system through training, research, and advocacy in the movement to end homelessness. And this other one comes from San Francisco Healthcare for the Homeless Program. It ensures that individuals experiencing homelessness have access to primary care and other healthcare and supportive services through a citywide system of care. I know that we've had some discussion about um, mission statements before. What we've heard from you and from the CAB is that we strongly support equity, social justice, and human rights concepts. There's some support for additional concepts that aren't currently included, like support services, social services, integration, and access. And we have some reservations around culturally competent um, because our understanding, uh, because understanding others better is more of a journey than a fixed state. So that is what we have here. And I wanna take some time now to listen to any additional feedback and reflection about the mission statement, both the current, some that we pulled from others that I just showed you and some of our previous reflections to see if we have additional reflections or things that you wanna share. Um, Heather, this is Mark. 
Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, Word says uh, some uh, support for additional concepts currently not included, which is support services, i.e. social services. Uh, what exactly did you mean uh, about integration? I think I'm going to turn that back to you all as having used the word integration um, as a concept. So does somebody want to share their ideas about integration? I think integration means um, we have other services that are supporting our, our healthcare services and they're mutually tied in together so that, well, I, I won't talk about my slides right now, but um, you know, these other issues do affect how people's health are when they are um, homeless. Yeah. Thanks, and I also I see a request from Neha, to, I think, to put the original one up again. Go ahead, Lucia. Um, so just a referencing the question, Mark's question, I think it, when I think about integration within the like healthcare, healthcare for the homeless, um, system or, or I guess thinking within our capacity as a board and what we have purview and oversight or um, I imagine kind of bringing in um, or incorporating other, I, I think Loretta kind of alluded to this, incorporating other services other than specifically like, mm -hmm. um, like care from a doctor, for example. Um, so I think about it in terms of like mental health services and it's not like a referral because I feel like there's services that already exist that we can send people to, um, but things that are maybe more easily accessible mm -hmm. uh, within a single location or a single um, visit even um, so that they're more easily accessible and are part of a united uh, team. I imagine. I think in keeping with the sort of what the the care is moving towards in all of California, one way to describe that might be seamless whole person care. And so mm -hmm. you're talking about all of you're talking about seeing a person as a whole instead of you know this is the issue they're coming with. You that can, mm -hmm. can be sort of an indicator, and then from there we branch out and see what all does the person need to be fully taken care of? So maybe that's the, that's the language mm -hmm. we want to move towards. And instead of integration, I can understand sometimes integration can seem like we're talking about racial integration, which might, uh, you know, that's not, the, that's not where we're trying to go. Mm -hmm. That's one. Um, the other is perhaps um, we can, if, if possible, maybe talk a little bit about compassionate care um, and not just it's not just care, but, you know, again, in the same concept of looking at the whole person that we start to think of it as um, care beyond just sort of the, the main thing that they come with and really emphasizing, especially somebody who's experiencing homelessness um, and that might be that we might be their first point of contact and mm -hmm. some compassion towards what they are experiencing, mm -hmm. I think would be great to integrate into our into our model of care for people. So those would be my two suggestions is to move towards sort of the concept of whole person care um, in our care, as well as mm -hmm. compassionate care. 
Um, Go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was going to say, um, um, just tagging on to the end of what she just said, I, um, as far as integration um, and the compassionate aspect, um, at some point, um, it, it would be nice if we could include um, or integrate, um, if not directly, indirectly, uh, in the future, respite care uh, for, for people who are uh, who are um, terminal, whose conditions right. are terminal. <clears throat> right. Thank you, Mark. Um, if you, uh, maybe you had a chance to review the slides ahead of time. If not, uh, no surprise. We have two suggested um, mission statements also in these slides. So I'm gonna move forward to those. So we have a couple of options. We could amend the current statement. Um, this says that the Alameda Health System Homeless Health Center's mission is to advance health equity by providing high quality accessible healthcare to people experiencing homelessness in Alameda County. And option two would be a new statement. I'm gonna go back a moment. I'm gonna, if you have these on paper in front of you, this would be a great time to pull them out as well, to just look at them both side by side. So one is amending the current statement, keeping the bones of the statement in there, but simplifying it is one of the things that we had talked about. And this new statement grounded in human rights and social justice, the Alameda Health System Homeless Health Center provides accessible and integrated services to ensure that all Alameda County re residents, regardless of their current housing situation, can be physically, mentally, social, socially, and spiritually healthy. This has um, some of the language that you all were just referring to. Does anybody want to talk a little bit about how they feel about those two options? I think the second one, you know, um, is, is a lot more expansive. It, it, it talks specifically about the whole person like Neha was, was saying. And um, I like that very much. That's my opinion. Uh, this is member uh, Richard. I I agree. I like option two as well. Um, it speaks to all aspects of a human's life as well as who we serve, um, regardless of status, um, uh, social or economic status. So yes, I like option two. Mm -hmm. And just a point of order, are we, are we, uh, should we just jump in or would you prefer people raise hands uh, as we're, as thank we're. You, thank you so much Neha for asking. I am trying to keep an eye on those hands. And so it is a good and effective method to get my attention. Um, <laughs> but I think for today, it, it is also meant to be somewhat informal and you can, can speak I just want to make sure that I catch everybody who wants to add something in. Perfect. Thanks, Heather. Sure. Um, I was going to say the, the, yeah, I think the second uh, statement is a lot more comprehensive. If we, if it was concerned with the word integrated, my suggestion would be to change it to comprehensive because from a patient's perspective, it's they don't care about who you are integrating with as long as it's all happening at one point. So if you're looking at it from a patient perspective, I would call it comprehensive um, instead of services, instead of integrated services. 
Um, that would be my only amendment to that statement. I like that, Neha. That, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so I have a little poll. I want to just officially uh, remind you that there are no action items today. So we're not taking action. We're getting feedback and your mm -hmm. ideas and we're listening. But it does include a fun activity called a poll, which means that you get to, um, uh, I'm going to say, select your favorite and let us know um, via a poll that I'm going to launch right now. So on your screen, you should see an ability to answer a question. And it has both of the um, proposed mission statements in front of you. And you get to pick one anonymously. And we'll see um, how we're feeling as a group. And just a reminder, this is not an action item. This isn't anything we're voting on per se. This is just getting feedback on what we like best. Uh, uh, um, Heather, um... Um, um, it doesn't mean um, it, whatever, uh, if we do, op, if we vote for option two, um, the, the suggestion changes uh, for, for option two, a word here or there, uh, that can be determined later, is that correct? Absolutely, you, you've got it, mm -hmm. um, Mark, that's exactly right. That's one of the reasons that this is not an action item. As part of our strategic plan, the strategic plan may include a new mission statement that you would then um, via official action vote on. And so okay. we're hearing from you now, this idea of preferring possibly the word comprehensive, that it might be more patient centered. And so when we come back with our strategic plan, uh, a new mission statement may have a minor change in words, but it gives us an idea of whether or not we're going on the right track and thinking mm -hmm. through and, and capturing your feedback. So you want us just to highlight one that we like? So, and then Yeah, so right now there's a poll open. Um, I have four uh -huh. people who have participated in the poll. So okay. on your screen, you may see a poll and you can select one. Oh, I've got six, this is exciting. We've got 11 people on the call. I don't count. And Brenda um, has two people, so we'll see Heather, if there's more. Yes, Mark. I picked the option by touching it, uh, and it just opened up the window to show me the option again, uh, but I did not hit the word submit. Does it make a difference? I think you need to submit. Go ahead. Okay, how do try. I do that? How do I go back? Hmm. I can't tell which of them. I've got seven people. Well, you know. You hit poll at the bottom of the screen, I think. You hit poll at the bottom of the screen? Yeah, there should be one that says polls with the uh, bar chart. If the screen's gone away, you can pull it back up that way. I think I think everybody's accounted for, actually. I just did a quick count. I've got 11 people on, seven people have voted, and Brenda and I account for three of those people. And I'm guessing Sunny didn't vote. So I'm going to end the poll. So I think yours counted, Mark. I think what I'm telling you is that it went through. Uh, uh, okay. Okay, so I'm now sharing with you the results. And I think what we're hearing is from you all that you prefer number two to have a new statement. Correct, one that's more patient-centered. Super, does anybody else want to have any other comments about this before we move on to our next activity? 
Thank you so much for your feedback. I really appreciate it and for your previous comments. We are capturing all of them. So Heather, you did, you did um, capture the thoughts about the word integrated. Absolutely. We were, yep. Okay. I have a note and we are recording the meetings. So if I somehow lose mm -hmm. my note, trust me, I, I, I'm, I'm on it. All right. And Brenda keeps me on it as well. And, I, and, and you all will, when I bring something to you that you're like, these are not the words we wanted. You'll tell me, you'll, you'll have me fix it. I heard a voice who would like to talk. It was me, Lucia. Um, I just a quick point of clarification. Um, so when we talk about our um, Alameda Health System Homeless Health Center, um, in this statement, we are saying that all uh, Alameda County residents um, I just want to clarify how that, in terms of like our oversight, um, can we say all Alameda County residents, like are, are we, whether or not they are part of the Alameda Health Care for the Homeless or Homeless Health Center? <laughs> Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Um, is that part of their, I think in, our intention would be that, but our, can we say? Don't we have to include that though because of HRSA? I'm just. I'm, are, are we representing all of all residents of Alameda County? Yeah. Um, Part of the Alameda Health System mission includes all residents of Alameda County. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's definitely open to all residents of Alameda County and via mobile as well. And there's no restriction on who in okay. Alameda County we could serve. So I think it's safe to, to reference them. Okay. I will also make a note to double check. Okay, I'm gonna stop sharing that and we're going to move on. It is that time to consider the reflections of the slides that you saw um, in the homework section. Um, and what we're looking for is participation and each of you sharing which of the slides really spoke to you. And I'm going to do my best to pull them up so that you can see them as you talk about them. We can um, have somebody who volunteers to go first um, and we can try popcorn style, but we really would like to hear from everybody participating today. I'll go first, Heather, because it kind of fits in with what we were just talking about. Great, thanks, Loretta. Um, the slides that um, spoke to me, they all did, but the one that I chose was the homelessness is only the tip of the iceberg of housing insecurity. And then um, on the back of that, regardless of the health need, it impacts unhoused people more. And that's talking about the health, um, the health aspect of it. Um, as you know, as we know that being homeless in itself, if you don't have any health issues going into homelessness, you will by the time you get out. It's just inevitable, you know. Um, it, just for how you're living, you know, your lack of, of food or your lack of nutritional items, your lack of clean clothing and, you know, yada, 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 all of this, everybody knows. Um, something I was concerned about and are curious about, I should say, is um, 
does the health center van act as a navigation center? I know you have said that um, you refer uh, them to different people, but is there someone in the van that is considered a navigation or an advocate person? That was one question. And um, how do you follow up on that? So who makes the phone calls? How do you know? Um, is there someone from the, the van that calls to make sure that these people got into healthcare, uh, primary healthcare, or um, if they need to come back to the van, um, if they prefer, if they feel more comfortable doing that? How do we know this? Um, and then as far as the, the homelessness, um, I don't really understand who decides. Like, for example, you know, this new project that Carrie talked about at Fairmont Hospital with the new tiny houses um, that I did have a chance to go up and, and see. And, and Mark, yes, it, it does include care for respite there. That's one of the, the conditions there. I think there's five, five homes for respite care. Um, but how do we decide how, not we, but how, how is it decided who gets into those homes? Is it first come first serve? Is it how long you've been on a waiting list? Is it the, the seriousness of your health condition? Um, you know, what, what is incorporated into making that decision? Do we have input into that um, from a health perspective? And um, another question I had is why we don't visit homeless camps. I know we have centers that we go to, you know, different places on the calendar every month, but why do we not actually go to homeless encampments? Is there a specific reason for that? Um, I, I did some research and just from two, 2019 to 2020, this report that I'm looking at is um, called a point in time count. Maybe Damon, you're familiar with it. I don't know. And it's from 2019. And I tell you, every report that I look at, the, the uh, totals vary so significantly, you know, as far as what we're getting in the cab slides and then what I'm seeing online. So it's, it's pretty interesting. But one thing that um, is definitely for sure is that there, um, there is definitely a health need for the homeless. You know, um, let me see where my paper is here. I do have a, a percentage thing here, 39% of the people, this is in 2019 now, okay? It's probably more. 39% um, of people have psychiatric and emotional conditions. 30% have alcohol and drug use. 30% have PTSD. 26% uh, has chronic health problems. 24% uh, has a physical disability. 13% traumatic brain injury. And then 5% HIV and AIDS. And also, Within this group, 3% um, of the people that they surveyed were not interested in, in housing. They didn't care about it. They preferred to stay the way they were. So that was something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and in order for us to address all these different health issues, I would think that encampment visitation would be um, useful. I mean, you know more than I do about why we do or don't do it, but that was my question there. Um, and then last but not least, um, you know, how is the health center, uh, again, this is real important to me, how are, 
are we as a mobile health center following up on our patients, you know, um, and making that connection after they've been seen. And that was all I had to say about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, thank just, you so much, Loretta. Um, go ahead, Mark. I'm just going to give you back on that um, last part that Loretta was saying about um, how do we um, check in with our patients um, uh, after they've been seen. And I was thinking, um, I think I might have raised this before, but um, I was thinking also about uh, what about the patients that um, through our program were lucky enough uh, with, with some uh, with some other uh, um partners are able to find housing for some of our patients. And um, I'm interested in how we follow up with patients who, who eventually become housed, uh, who um, for lack of a better term, uh, somebody would argue that at, at that point, they don't have any excuse not to come back for appointments. But I, I have heard in the past, uh, even housed uh, people who, who become house who've been homeless for a long time uh, still uh, don't necessarily show up to their appointments. So there's a, so in my mind, I was wondering about uh, follow up, follow up in terms of how uh, patients who are, have been housed is um, basically uh, having somebody in the field to kind of knock on their door once in a while. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, right now, I'm going to be taking notes um, around people's reflections on the slides. Um, and I do appreciate Mark's uh, follow-up onto Loretta's slide. Do we have someone who is prepared? And I'm going to hold the questions and responses to questions, because really this is about strategic planning. And if you're hearing ideas that we that will come up over and over again, then, then you have the ability to... to point us in the direction that you want us to be pointed in. So is somebody ready to talk about their two slides that really spoke to them? Well, the, uh, for me, the one that Loretta picked spoke to me. Um, so that's, that was one of, one of, uh, one of the two I looked at. Uh, the other one um, is it, not dramatic, but um, but it speaks volumes, and that's the one um, of the man. Um, it's a very small photo, uh, and the caption is that the homeless often don't receive health care in California, mm -hmm. despite mm -hmm. qualifying for free insurance. And um, I, I think there's something that uh, fundamentally needs to be done about that, uh, not, for sim not simply just for patient care, but quite frankly, um, um, so that um, under under certain circumstances, it, if it becomes necessary, um, um, public hospitals uh, can receive fee for service uh, uh, when it becomes appropriate in treating a homeless person um, if they're able to get free insurance. But somebody needs to um, there there needs to be uh, some groundwork, at least in my mind. Um, to or some kind of strategy that we can come up with that would at least inform individuals that, that, that they do um, qualify and, and urge them uh, to, to apply 
and maybe um, have some way of helping them uh, fill out forms, um, provide the necessary information, um, help them maybe um, gather uh, certain documents if it becomes necessary. Now, of course, uh, you know, um, in that respect, it sounds more like social work, which we don't necessarily quite do or speak to in our overall mission statement. But there, there is there is something I, I think fundamentally fundamentally uh, bad about the uh, idea that there are people who uh, desperately need health care and can't get it, um, and it's not um, and it's only it's, has nothing to do with they're not. Um, um, qualifying. Uh, they're already qualified to get it, and they either don't know about it, uh, they haven't been informed about it, and uh, they haven't, and if they do know about it, they don't know where to go or how to navigate. Um, and that's, that's another issue also, is um, if you inform them, then uh, how do you help them uh, navigate um, what it would take for, for them actually to uh, get that insurance? So uh, I think it's uh, important, uh, not only for the patient, but I think for um, whenever uh, possible, fee-for-service um, to, to public hospitals uh, who have, you know, very large, don't have very large budgets, but have a lot of uh, patient responsibility. Thank you so much, Mark. Neha, I see a hand up. I think that means you're ready. Um, the the numbers around homeless, the numbers around people who are uh, renters and are going to be experiencing homelessness, possibly because the mismatch in number of rentals available and, and the need makes me think if there's a way that we can head off somebody becoming homeless uh, if they are indicating that there is that they're having difficulty paying rent, and if there's levers that we can pull so that we can keep them in the housing that they are in presently, and if we have any way of of helping people that way, because when you when people become homelessness, it sets up a whole set of other issues, and if we're able to head those off, and if we're able to help people head those off, if we happen to to come across them just at that at that pivotal moment, it'd be great to see if there's if it's possible for us to do that. That's something that it strategically, if we could um, make any headway in that, uh, that would be great. If there's levers we can pull, and and you know when you're starting to talk about comprehensive care and um, and integrating, then is there a way to integrate with? other services that are available to keep people in, in the housing that they are in presently, instead of looking for housing once they are, once they have started experiencing homelessness. Thanks, this, um, Was there another really, slide? Uh, that one in particular. Okay. Neha, this, um, survey that Alameda County did in 2019 had four reasons or four responses to what could have prevented homelessness. And the first one was rent assistance. That was 
30% were benefits and income, 23% was employment assistance, and then 21% was mental health services. So, and this, these are uh, people's, these are homeless people's answers um, from the survey. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're seeing even in other situations. It's, uh, uh, you know, people need help with staying in, in the homes that they are because it also provides, if they, if they have a family especially, provides that right. security that is needed for the kids. And then, you know, then there's, uh, if they're not able to do that, then kids start to drop out of school and then you start to see other issues that are mm -hmm. impacting them. So it leads to a big cascade. So if we can there's something that you can do to basically eliminate the need for a homeless healthcare center. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the direction I think it'd be great to head in. Thanks for the, thanks for the numbers, appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um, uh, Ali, did you have some favorite slides? What yeah, and I do. So my two slides, my first one is the trends and quality measures for ambulatory care services. And it's actually good because there's a lot of stuff that's the same between um, homeless and non-homeless. Um, there's probably at least two dozen on there. And at the same time, there's at least half a dozen or so that are constantly better than um, you know people who are not experiencing homelessness. And at the same time, you know, there's definitely um, something to look at. It's depression that you know we're kind of missing out on to provide to homeless um, patients. And so that's definitely an opportunity um, when you look at that information. And then my second one is the um, comparisons and health conditions. Um, so there's definitely a big uh, disadvantage, you know, for our homeless patients. Um, there's, there are some that are, you know, 1% for the regular population and it's up to 20 to, you know, 50% um, for homelessness patients. And, you know, there's, there's a great variety of things on there from HIV to heart attack to hepatitis C. Um, and these are, you know, major diseases and conditions. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there to look at the differences and see how, you know, we can improve in those areas. Thank you so much. Richard. One took the ones that I that I actually have some feedback to, so I was like, just go ahead and pass me at this time. <laughs> so, so um, same two slides: the, the quality metric slides, the clinical quality. Um, we had one that was ambulatory specific, and this other one that's um, homeless specific. Those were your two favorites too. Hey, Richard, you're mute. There oh, there you, you go. Yeah, so both, yeah, so this one that you're currently on, this is one of them. Um, I just thought it was really interesting that um, we need to find a way to be able to either uh, educate others about just seeking um, help um, to either offset Sunday's um, these uh, preventable um, illnesses, such as hypertension and whatnot, mm -hmm. um, as well as 
just getting the information out there, even if uh, people aren't homeless, just to let people know that it's important that you do get the help that's needed for these uh, specific diseases that's listed here on this slide. And then the other slide that was interesting to me was the homelessness um, is only the tip of the iceberg. Um, mm -hmm. As most of the board, previous board members have spoken about, this is, I think the the niche is out of partnership, partnering up with the organization that's already doing something in this nature or um, spearheading it um, because this is a concern. And I think that if we can do, if we can handle preventing homelessness, then we can help enhance or increase the numbers or decrease the numbers in the pre in the other slide. So those are the two um, slides that stood out to me. Thank you so much, Richard. I think we haven't heard from Lucia. Hi there. Um, so one of the ones, um, kind of like Laura said, they all, I feel like they're all very much interconnected uh, and very interesting. Um, but one that I picked was uh, homeless health center patients disproportionately use urgent care. Um, so the reason I picked this one was uh, one of the notes on the slide, you, you know, it talks about how over 3,500 homeless patients seen in the either emergency care, um, emergency department um, and hospitals haven't actually received any ambulatory care um, in any of the other um, health centers. Um, so I think it just makes me wonder kind of how we might be able to be a better connecting point um, through these urgent center emergency locations. So um, kind of extrapolating from this a little bit, I, I imagine that people come to seek care when they're at a point where like they just can't wait any longer. Um, mm -hmm. I know we heard that a little bit from like the dental um, uh, presentation last time, you know, like someone's coming because like they're in extreme pain, you know, right? So like in those opportunities where there are people actually seeking us out uh, in whatever place that may be, um, what can we do to kind of help them engage? Um, so is that like, are we placing people at urgent care sites or the emergency room or like whatever, what are the high point contact points um, throughout Alameda Healthcare System or wherever, uh, where people experiencing homelessness are coming to, um, where we can help them engage um, so that we can address their diabetes and their hypertension and things that maybe don't seem as urgent, uh, but are definitely as, if not more important <laughs> sometimes. Um, so that was a big one for me. Um, and I guess kind of related to that, um, the, I feel like this one was kind of connect to um, is the, um, the drop-in. Um, I know I feel like part of the issue right now is kind of like the evidence behind drop-in uh, centers or having drop-in as a way of um, uh, providing um, primary care. Um, so I feel like at least I want us to explore that a little more um, and kind of learn even from our patients, like if that would be something that might be helpful um, or what are the barriers to, for people making those appointments or 
you know, keeping the appointments. Um, and if we're not, if that's not a, you know, a best practice that we can follow long-term kind of just really explore what are the things that are, um, that we can do as a health system to make, um, like when we talk about access, like what does that actually mean for patients experiencing homelessness, right? So um, is it just like, you know, we have a health center and we're there for people to show up or like, does it mean like we go out and look for people uh, or we make it like, what do we do to make it as easy as possible for actually people to uh, access care? Um, even with Lorida, you know, like, does it mean we take the mobile van places we, we haven't done, taken it before, you know? Um, so just kind of like that, that theme for me is, um, you know, what are we doing in the places where people are coming to us, whether they or not they are, are you know, traditional health centers um, to engage? And then what else can we do to really go out and be more proactive about um, making ourselves more accessible uh, for, for patients. Um, I, I like to mention something um, just kind of in tandem with that. Um, I, I did attend a meeting um, last Thursday and it was about um, how homeless, how the homeless um, are uh, impacted or how they might be impacted now and in the future due to climate change. And one of, one of the things that came up was um, that it, it might be necessary uh, for us to have, and when I say us, I don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, AHS, but as a, as a society, uh, to have uh, more quote unquote drop-ins uh, that are, um, that are open in order to protect uh, homeless people uh, from overexposure uh, to uh, uh, to warm days, successive hot days, and uh, more excessive cold nights uh, because of climate change. Uh, and if that were to occur, uh, as some people think it might, um, then um, it would uh, give us uh, the opportunity to gather more data about um, about those people at in the daycare who don't normally uh, uh, go to the hospital or, or haven't been visited by anyone uh, by a field team or 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 actually gone and and, and, and seen anyone for medical services. Um, I just wanted to mention that um, it's not quite what we're talking about, but I thought I I thought I'd highlight that. Thank you, Mark. All right, Damon. We haven't heard from you yet. Thanks. Thanks. Um, my slides are different than the ones that Lucia mentioned, um, but the issues are very similar. So slide five was the first one that I picked. Um, we have 1,271 people who are first the homeless, um, which means they're Housing is here by what most people would would think of as you know their their housing situation. They're not frankly living on the streets or in a homeless shelter, but they don't really have a stable place to live. And in contrast, in our homeless health center in 2020, we only had 158 folks who we saw in the homeless health center who were street homeless. And I think similar to the 
you know, numbers, numbers that Loretta's been looking at. Loretta, I think it's probably about 6,000 people living on the street in Alameda County in 2019 and the point in time count. Um, you know, we're, um, we saw 158 of those in an ambulatory context, you know, and among the 3,500, we don't know how many of those folks were living on the streets that we saw in the ER or in acute care, but probably it was a lot bigger number than 158. And so for me, just thinking about how this ties to the future, you know, understanding that aside from the mobile health program, this is really, you know, part-time for me and, and, and Heather is our full-time administrator. I think it's a really big question for the future of the health center, whether we sort of double down on the issues that the 1,271 are facing, um, whether we go after more folks who are living on the streets, and if we want to do both of those things, like how do we build up the resources to actually be able to mm -hmm. kind of take on both of those functions, you know, given, given our current, you know, staffing? Because I think there's a lot of opportunity in both populations around the prevention stuff that Neha brought up and around sort of reaching a new street population. And I think um, it's challenging to think about how we might do both at the same time, you, you know, which are such huge, such huge needs. So yeah, that's a slide that was really on my mind. And then the other one was the bridge clinic slide that was, I think, a, from a New York Times article. Mm -hmm. And um, what really jumped out at me at the slide was just, just the picture, you know, seeing my colleague, Dr. Herring, and a patient, um, you know, just jumped out at me. You know, this is, this, is, this is care. Like, this is what it looks like, you know? Um, but I think the word on demand like for me thinking about health equity and like, you know, what has our society done to people who are experiencing homelessness? And then what, what do we owe people? Um, I think it's not just opioid addiction on demand, but like heart disease on demand, like we should be giving people care on demand. And it's just that idea of like, and, and that is very rare, right? But that I got really excited about the idea of like, how do we switch our frame to thinking about like, care on demand, like <laughs> you want your care now, we're gonna bend over backwards to give it to you now, however we can figure out how to do that. Um, so that was, the, that was the other one that kind of jumped out at me in an aspirational way as a way to, I think, guide some of, some of our thinking in the health center in the future. You know, Damon, um, in connection with that, um, the, you know, every, every survey you look at is really, it's drastically different. Um, this one that I'm looking at from 2019, and it's, it's broke down by cities, shows that um, there are 3,210 homeless and 861 of those people are sheltered. Now, again, that's 2019. I know that because of COVID, there was no um, census or anything done in 2020. The street teams didn't go out as much, but still, you know, that's it, pretty, it's pretty a uh, huge amount of people for Oakland, one city by itself, you know. I was going to say that's just city of Oakland, probably right. That's so just the numbers Oakland. are it's, it's twice have, that for have, the county, so then county as a whole, I think. Right. I have I have every different city here. That was just Oakland, and again, like I said, 2019, and if this moratorium is going to be ending for housing at the end of this month, which you know is going to force more people out into one of the living situations, um, whether it's with a friend or a relative, or if they end up on on the street or whatever, you know that's that's a real concern of mine, and I know it is of yours too. 34% um, of 
people live in tents right now. That's that's was as of 2019, 34%. And that was the the, the largest category. You know, others were RV and abandoned buildings and cars and vans, but tent people were 34%. And I I really think that that's where I, I would hope that that's where our focus could be is on these encampments and these people that um, for whatever reason, don't know that, you know, we're down at Good Shepherd Church or whatever, you know? So that was a thought. Thank you so much. Have we heard from everybody on the slides that they reflected on or that really stood out to them? I think we've heard from Loretta and Mark and Ali and Lucia and Neha and Richard, right? I didn't miss any of you. Having heard from your co um, and Damon, <laughs> having heard from your <laughs> co-applicant board members and their thoughts, are there additional thoughts that have come up for you in listening to your colleagues today about what they were reflecting on that you want to share now? Um. This is actually from what Damien, Damien said at um, the very beginning um, with uh, thinking about healthcare um, as community or population health. Um, so I think, um, you know, it just made me think back like when I first thought about or decided to kind of go into healthcare as kind of my career. Um, public health was kind of like the obvious option for me because it felt like, um, you know, like there was that emphasis in community health. health. Um, so it wasn't just about the person that walked into the clinic that, you know, um, we took care of, but it was thinking about how are we uh, supporting the health of this community, right? Um, and so I feel like it just, it was a helpful reminder for me to think about, um, how, you know, just going through whatever we do or whatever we end up, uh, focusing on and, um, kind of having that perspective, like, how is this helping the community? How is this supporting, um, you know, our city or our county or, um, you know, as a, yes, of course, every individual is important, but um, just really having that community perspective. Um, and I think when we talk about this in terms of, you know, um, asking for, you know, budget changes or thinking like having mm -hmm. that perspective in mind, right? Like, you know, how is this change gonna help affect the community at, at large and as a whole? And like, I feel like that makes a, a big, impact when I feel like in, in terms of like appeal, <laughs> um, especially mm -hmm. when they're a bit gasps. Um, so I just so maybe a reminder, like let's, let's go for the big asks and, and remember that like, it's not just about one person or 1000 people or the 800 people that are on there. It's like, how does this affect our community as a whole? And cause those people, mm -hmm. Not, it's not the only those people that are affected, it's like our whole community gets affected by that also. Um, so yeah, that's all. 
That's so true, Damon, when you talked about on-demand healthcare, um, I know that in Fremont, um, Bax has a, a drop-in clinic once a week. And I think that because they have, I, I don't know if the other um, programs out there have them also, but I know for sure that Bax does. And when I look at the homeless um, figures in Fremont, there's 123 that are sheltered this is again, 2019, and only 485 unsheltered. Now, something has to be going right there, you know, with the with drop-in clinics. And I know there's a navigation center out there where people can go and, and the homeless can go and try to do a resume and get set up. I mean, it's all these other um, services combined with healthcare that make the program successful. They're so intertwined. I don't think you can separate them. You know, homelessness is a health issue. So just a thought. Thank you so much, Loretta. Neha, I see your hand. Neha, you're on mute, I think, if you're trying to speak. I am. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, Two years into this, and we still forget we're muted. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was going to say that uh, I think Damon has sparked a lot of sort of rethinking of what we have been saying, and and uh, I really agree with his point about strategically thinking where we want to put our resources because you know we can have pie in the sky ideas, but really thinking about what levers we have to pull and uh, what is the most effective use of our ability to make change and the resources that we have. I think we need to really think through that hand in hand uh, and, and decide what direction we want to head in as mm -hmm. to, to make the most impact, uh, as much impact as possible. So let's definitely do that. Uh, you know, at least start the process today, uh, moving into, into the future. And that's everything from you for now. Thank you so much, Neha. Um, one of the I things would I would say in, in response to that is I think um, the our our partners, you know, here in the emergency room and in the hospital may be one of our more important levers for um, the population that are living on the streets. Um, you know, the the county program has multiple street um, street medicine programs that they contract for and none of those contracts are with us so I think Loretta you asked the question earlier like yeah. why aren't we going to encampments um, you know the county's funding that service they're they're funding it they've expanded it really greatly several million dollars over the last few years and mm -hmm. Alameda Health System uh, I don't believe applied for any of that funding and um, and it's it, you know the expansions happen outside of us and yet, I think Alameda Health System sees a lot of that population in our, you know, emergency room and in our hospitals. And so that may be one of the levers to think about, even though, you know, we're not seeing that population in a large way right now inside the homeless health center, our sort of near neighbors, you know, in our same health system are seeing that population of people. And so that's, I just wanted to say that in response to your, your comment, um, Neha, about the levers, you know. Thanks, Damon. Um, Ali and Richard, did you have anything else you wanted to add? 
after hearing from your colleagues? Any other thoughts? Damon, correct me if I'm wrong, but a few years ago, or more than a few years ago, um, so many people, and, and this is for every state, so many homeless people use, and, and, and homeless, also sheltered people, use the ED as their primary care. And not only is it not cost effective for insurance companies and, and blah, 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 um, it's, it's not really a, a proper way to treat these patients because they don't come back for follow-up care and you know they just know that when they're sick they're just going to go to the ED and, and, and be seen. I thought that um, that Highland one of the reasons for opening up the urgent care clinic was to help steer some of those people to the drop-in clinic and get them out of the ED so that at least with the urgent clinic they would have maybe a little more time to spend with them and uh, a little more way to get them uh, hooked up with uh, a primary care doctor. Um, this is what I, I seem to re remember from the past. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe you could speak to that. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think we have, you know, a couple of folks picked out the slide around disproportionately using urgent care. I think in our structure, um, urgent care and primary care are not co-located primarily. So mm -hmm. our biggest site is Highland. And so the providers who provide urgent care are not the same providers that are providing primary care. And so it's sort of a bridge to a bridge, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think we've seen the same thing with mobile health, frankly speaking. I think we probably have follow-up rates from folks who see us in what's really an urgent care setting on mobile health, you know, 25 to 30% actually getting into primary care. And I think that's substantively different from I think Lucia picked out the drop-in slide from saying you can drop in to see your doctor. You can't, it's not just dropping in to get your urgent issue taken care of, but you know, we'll fit our right, long-term right. chronic care plans into your availability. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and I think there is growing evidence. There was a recent article published um, in the HIV literature that showed really dramatic improvements in HIV viral load that's come out since I made that presentation mm -hmm. to you all around the value of drop-in services. So I think you're right to point out, like that's how the models evolved in the past. And I think, you know, um, Lucia's kind of astutely, I think, picked up on like, that's where things seem to be going, you know, is this idea of, mm -hmm. you know, the type of accessibility you get in urgent care where you just come in, but that you're actually doing that with someone you have an ongoing relationship with, not just right, right. dropping in to get urgent care, but dropping in to get primary care. Yeah. You know, the, um, the HIV clinic in Fremont um, through VAX, um, they originally started out by having drop-in just for their HIV patients, but then it, it, now it's for anybody, anybody that, you know, is seeing at the clinic there. And um, it's used a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, it's, it's something that is, I think is very needed, like you pointed out, so these uh, people can get care right when they need it, you know? Okay, this, um, we're wrapping up this port, uh, uh, excuse me, words, um, this portion of our 
agenda. So this was our reflection exercise. We reviewed the slides that really spoke to you. These are gonna lead us into some themes and priorities for our strategic plan, which will be the next activity. And before we break, because that's the next thing on our agenda, we just wanna make sure that nobody has anything else that they wanna add specifically about reflecting on these slides or anything else that they wanted to pull out right now. I'm curious, I'm curious if people would name any themes, you know, before we sort of get the language of pillars that we use in ambulatory. Are there themes that any of the co-applicant board members already see in the discussion so far? I'm sorry, David, you meant themes? Themes like T-H-E-M-E-S. Oh, okay. Um, could you spell that out a little bit more? Well, we're going to be doing an activity in just a moment that's going to pull out some of these themes. I'm going to put a, um, uh, a link into the chat. This is going to be to a Jamboard. One moment. Um, and, and we're going to be looking at the themes of the discussion that we just had, right? So uh, some of the slides that you focused on today in our discussion included slide three, homelessness <laughs> is only the tip of the iceberg. Slide four, this um, how health needs impact the unhoused more. We focused on slide five, which talks about how do we prioritize or the, the reflection was about how we prioritize or whether we prioritize both friends and relatives, which is our double that person homeless definition or our street homeless, which is much smaller. Do we do both? Do we do one? Do we do the other? What's more important? Slide six, that having insurance doesn't necessarily translate into care and that homeless who are qualified for insurance don't necessarily have it. And in this, the reflection was about how do we help patients navigate? Are there barriers? I think I also heard some themes of making it sustainable for the system that has a large portion of these patients that they're serving and um, to leverage those payments that exist within our uh, system of care and in our country. We uh, heard about slide seven, the disproportionate number of patients seen in urgent care as compared to primary care. We heard about slide eight. Again, this is about the trends for people experiencing homelessness and some of the disparities that are within our system and um, how we may have an opportunity in uh, the depression area to serve our patients experiencing homelessness better. We heard about slide 12, which talked about drop-in services. And we also heard some reflections about this slide um, of our colleagues, the Bridge Clinic, and the idea of on-demand. 
Um, before we take our break, maybe what I can do is help you navigate to the Jamboard. I'm going to go ahead and share it um, on the screen now so that you can see what it looks like. Uh, just remember that I shared this as an example, not necessarily uh, as uh, something that you guys talked about because I prepared this ahead of time. Okay. So this right here is the Jamboard. So when you go to the link that I provided, you can get here. I see some of you are here. I can see an anonymous capybara and an anonymous, anonymous kiwi. This just shows that there are people in the room. <laughs> I have an anonymous rhino as well. And so we're gonna talk about the themes. Over here on the left-hand side, there's a sticky note. You can click the sticky note and you can pick your color whatever speaks to you is fine. And you can write a theme. So I'm doing one now as an example. And these are really just big um, and it's gonna make a sticky note. If I cancel out, I'll be able to see the screen again. And so what you can do is you can create sticky notes of the themes that you heard either those that are important to you or those that you heard your colleagues talk about during their reflections. What are the kinds of things that we heard the most about from each other? Um, and the idea is that these things seem important and we may find that they fall under similar themes. Um, I used mobile dental, this was my example, right? This was a theme, if we had heard a lot about mobile dental, this sticky note might make sense now. It, it doesn't make sense currently, but that's what this is here for. Okay, so um, is anybody having trouble with the Jamboard or needs additional help? Where's also, the link? <laughs> um, the link is in, is in the chat. Oh, okay, great. So if you go to the chat, you'll see yeah. HTTPS colon forward slash yeah. forward slash and a Jamboard. And if you click that, or if you copy it and paste it, uh, access is view only. Let me see if I can fix that. What did I do wrong? Uh, I will fix that while we are on our, um, on our, uh, look at that. Here's how, here's how we change it. Change. Editor. All right, you guys should now be able to do it yourselves. Thank you for noticing that. Uh, hopefully you received a, a fancy package, not real fancy, a package in the mail um, with a little snack. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoy your snack and take a little break and we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Um, and so it is about 120, what is it? 123 now. So let's come back at 140. That sound good? Mm -hmm. See you guys at 1.40. And feel free to play with the themes, but just know that we do have time in our next activity to do it. So you really should be taking a break right now. Enjoy your snack. I'm going to put on some music. <laughs>
Bring me down, can't none. Bring me 
Tonight's gonna be a good, good night 
Heather, can you hear me? Heather, can you hear me? Hey, Mark, I can hear you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, um, I'm not familiar with um, pet iPad, so I'm still getting used to it. And I like to push the theme, but I don't know how to do it. Oh, uh, we'll make sure that you're able to do that once we get started again, all right? Okay. I think uh, I think Brenda might be uh, available to help you. Hey, by the way, Damon. Yeah. I got your message, and I was gonna say, um, how about um, um, this coming Friday? I think that'll work for me. Like toward, around the same time I called you last week? Yeah, um, whatever works for you, I'm flexible. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll pro it'll probably be, well, I'll, I'll see you at the end of this because you're, you're right upstairs, right? You're. Oh, you're here in the right building? Now. Yeah, I'm in the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can meet you after. Yeah. I can meet you after. Well, I, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll look at my calendar between now and then and let you know a good time for Friday because I, I have another meeting right after or 15 minutes after this. Oh, I see. Okay. You go. You try to get a thing or yes, I'm trying to put a thing in there. Um, let's mute us. Oh, it's up here.
Hello and welcome back. We're going to get started in just a moment. I did delete my sample stickies um, because they were really just meant to be samples. So uh, if they were themes that you wanted to include, let me know and I can put them back in there. If anybody's having a hard time with the stickies, just um, go ahead and you can chat things in and I can always make them for you. Um, so we're just going to let people get back here. Um, we'll check in and see that uh, folks have returned. Okay, welcome back. And um, so now we're gonna be working on our themes exercise. So thinking about reflections and themes. Themes are in, in this uh, part of our exercise, the things that we think are important. And again, we're not gonna prioritize them or say what's more important than something else, but they're the themes and the ideas that uh, partially may have been found in the reflections, but also could have been things that you didn't share or that are on your mind or that you think are important. We can go ahead and put them here on our themes board. So far I see um, versatility, dropping in or on demand, homeless prevention, follow-up, increasing access to care, need to address disparities, taking advantage of high points of contact locations for care and connection. We're gonna take the next um, five minutes or so while you're back to go ahead and think through themes and you, so you guys can put your stickies on. After that, we're gonna see um, how you might be thinking similarly to your colleagues. So I'm gonna show you how to mark them in a few minutes. But for right now, just keep making stickies on the theme. Heather, which is the button for stickies? 
Thank you so much for asking. It's this one underneath okay. the arrow. So you, the gotcha, arrow gotcha. at the round and then right underneath it is this sticky note. So you just Great. tap it. And then type, right? And then type. <laughs> and it comes up very easily. There Thank you, you go. While you guys are creating stickies, I'm going to um, read some of the notes that I took during today's meeting so far, just to remind you in case you weren't taking notes, which you know I can imagine you might not have, um, uh, in case uh, there's something you just want to make sure isn't forgotten. So in the early part of the meeting, we talked a lot about the community and community health. We also talked about integration, accessibility across the system, seamless whole person care, seeing people as a whole, not just um, medically, but the other care that they also need, compassionate care as the first point of contact being important in our model of care, um, compassionate care being important in our model of care because we are the first point of contact. Respite care as integrated into the care model, speaking to the whole person, being comprehensive, ensuring the patient perspective, now, there were some questions around um, asking uh, whether the Homeless Health Center acts as navigation centers and advocates for patients and how we know that. Um, we talked about uh, homelessness as the tip of the iceberg, how it gets decided, who gets into homes like tiny homes, whether or not the cab can have input from a health perspective on who goes into homes. 
questions about why we don't visit homeless encampments, um, the health needs for the homeless in reference to the 2019 point in time report on health issues, how the health, um, the mobile health clinic follows up on patients and making connections after they're seen, how we know the patients, how we follow up with patients who have been housed, the importance of financial stability in the system, navigating to insurance, doing social work, understanding um, what's preventing patients from being insured, whether it's navigation or other barriers that are preventing that, heading off homelessness for renters, could we make strategic headway? What levers can we pull? And how do we integrate with other services like housing? Quality metrics, the depression opportunity, comparisons in homeless patients, both related to clinical quality care, looking at those disparities, partnering with other organizations or leading the way, prevent homelessness, urgent care utilization without other ambulatory care support, how to be a better connecting point via the locations and centers like dental, patients coming in in extreme pain or crisis and what can we do to help them engage? Drop in, would this be helpful? What are the barriers? What? How can we make it accessible? What does that mean for patients experiencing homelessness? Should we take mobile where we haven't before? Go ahead. What are we doing in places that are coming, that they are coming to, patients are coming to, and how do we go out and be more proactive? How climate change might impact people experiencing homelessness and the need for drop-in sites due to exposure. Housing insecure. The doubled up population or patients on the street or both and how we serve the needs of both, both our large needs. The bridge clinic on demand, health equity, Again, thinking about um, the community and population health. It's not just the person in the clinic, but the health of the community. Go for big asks, impacting the whole community. On-demand care examples of drop-in clinics at Fremont. Understanding that healthcare and housing are inseparable. Thinking about what resources or levers we can use and how to make that change. How we leverage internal resources like the emergency department, thinking through the difference between primary care and urgent care, not being the same providers. All right, those are my notes. Of course, you guys said a lot more than that, and we have the meeting recorded. Um, so hopefully those are helpful in your generation of stickies. I see a lot have arrived while I was reading the notes. Does anybody need help making any stickies? All right. The next thing you have the opportunity to do here is on the upper left-hand side of your Jamboard, there's a pen. If you click the pen, you can even pick a color of your pen, among other things. You can pick how wide 
your pen works, whether it's a brush or a highlighter or a marker. You can pick something here. I picked blue as an example. And now, for example, I want to think, and what's important to me, I had someone wrote up the depression disparity, and I want to just make it known that I also am thinking a lot about that. So I'm just going to put a little mark there that represents me. And I'm going to mark all the ones that are important to me. So if you could similarly take the pen and make a mark on the ones, it's okay if you mark your own and mark others, but the ones that really speak to you as important or kind of the, the ones that stand out to you the most, if you can make a mark on them. Are you limiting us to a certain number? I've been asked if I'm limiting you to a certain number. I haven't yet. I shall limit you to seven. Let me see how many there are altogether. Heather, when I click on the marker, all I see is, I mean, all it's letting me do is see your color. Let's see. I don't know why it's not, that's weird. I'm gonna check in with someone else and see if I, um, if this is a, if only I have access to that. One moment. Did you have video? You did? Yeah, we're back on. Okay. Were you able to do it? She's still doing the same. Oh. Okay, for your seven marks, I'm also asking you to make sure that they're seven spread out, right? So you are welcome to identify more than one important theme. Um, so just mark the seven of these ideas, which is half of them. There are 14 total that are on here right now. And we're gonna pick the top seven um, for you. You're gonna pick seven and you're gonna mark them. If anybody needs help marking them, you can let me know and I can mark them for you. When I push on the marker, Heather, it, it doesn't let me choose a color or anything. It doesn't even open up the, the choices. No problem, Loretta. Why don't you tell me what, what you'd like me to mark okay. and I will mark it for you. Okay. Um, dropping in on demand, increasing access to care, Following up, uh, disparities, um, uh, prevention, homeless prevention, and um, taking advantage of the high points of contact locations. Is that all? You get one more, Loretta. Oh, one, I do? Two, okay. Three, four, five, six. You've done six. Okay. Connecting, to non, <laughs> connecting to non-medical services. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Does anybody else need help with marking seven? 
Sticky. I might as well say yes. Okay, Mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll probably hit the screen and lose you lose you entirely. So. No problem. That's what I'm here for. Which seven would you like me to mark for you? Uh, okay. Um, versatility. Um, let me see. They're, I mean, they're all so important. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, need to address uh, disparities. Um, partnership with others. I believe that's four. That was number three. Oh, that'd be three. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, doing our part of the healthy community. That's four. Uh, follow up. That's five. I think they're all important, but we only get seven. <laughs> Did you want to pick two more, Mark? Oh, um, I would say um, outreach and um, I would say, I would say maybe providing services at encampments. Okay, thank you so much. Anybody else need help marking things? All right, has everybody finished marking things? Okay, I'm gonna go one by one to make sure you all did it. Loretta, did you mark yours? Yes. Yes, because I did it for you. Okay, Mark, I did yours for you yeah. too, okay. <laughs> Neha, did you finish marking yours? Yes. Thank you, Ali? Yeah, I did mine. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Lucia? Uh, yes. Super, and Richard? No, I'm over here having issues trying to log in. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Richard. I can totally mark yours for you. Um, I can do it. Can you see them or do you want me to read them out to you? No, I can see them. Okay, super. Let me get a color for you. See if we can see this. Yes, we can, okay. Um, go ahead. What do you, what would you like? Follow up. Follow up. Got it. Um, ah, um, need to address the disparities. Thank you. Um, partnership with others. That's three. Taking advantage of high points. Connecting to non-medical services. Two more. 
primary care model of care, versatility. Excellent. Thank you so much, Richard. All right, Damon, did you do yours? Yes, I got a thumbs up from Damon. Fantastic. <laughs> Good work, y'all. All right, so we're going to look at these themes now, and let's um, we're going to talk about the ones that had the most responses to them. So I'm going to do a little rearranging here, but first I'm going to take a picture. One moment. And by take a picture, I mean I'm just doing a little snapshot. So I've got the initial one in case I lose it all. All right, super. All right, so the ones with the most stickies, I mean, the most marks. I'm gonna put them all over to the left here. So we have taking advantage of high points and see, this is what happens, the little, the little markers go away. So just bear with me as I do a little bit of rearranging. Those four, those four, that's why I took a picture of it. This one here, this one here. All right. Now you need to ignore all those random lines on the thing. Okay, on the left-hand side, we have those things that had the most, um, and by the most, we had generally five. That was the, the largest number that we had, one, two, three, four, five. Five fours, right here we have our threes, and then we had some ones. Or um, in this case, I think depression disparity gets caught up in the need to address disparities, so it didn't need its own its own sticky. So let's just talk a little bit more about each of these, um, these themes to understand how you're feeling about them. Does somebody want to start with taking advantage of high points of contact locations and care for connection? Well, um, I, I think there needs to be. I, I think there needs to be more definition about um, high points of contact locations. I guess. I guess um, it's just to me a, a, about um, taking advantage of the various facilities or clinics that we currently have, uh, and making sure that uh, anyone that comes to the clinic uh, that we stress to them that they return. If they have a return appointment, that they that they make their appointments and uh, that they come back for those appointments, and also possibly might involve um, asking uh, the patient um, in those in our clinics to um, to encourage them uh, to talk to a friend um, and convince a friend if they feel another friend needs medical attention, but um, is uh, reticent to seek it out, um, that those patients can be used as kind of ambassadors 
to our clinic by inviting uh, people who otherwise would not come in by themselves to come to the clinic. That's kind of how um, I, I, I look at that. And I could be, that's my perspective anyway. Thank you so much, Mark. So part of what we're doing now as we're reviewing these is making sure that we all have the same understanding of what each of these stickies and themes means. And so by talking through what it means to you, it really helps us to know that we're all on the same page. So through Mark's description, do you guys, are you in agreement that this is what you're meaning when, you, when you're talking about this, taking advantage of high points of contact locations for care and connection? And I wanna be clear also that we may be meaning at Alameda Health System, but not necessarily within our scope of the Homeless Health Center, right? If we're talking about high points of contact, like the emergency department, which is not in our scope, is that something that it's important to connect to? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's what I, part of what I was thinking, places like uh, the emergency room, um, urgent care, um, uh, even places like the, like the dental, um, like our mobile dental unit, um, places that wouldn't necessarily be primary points for, you know, primary care per se, but where, you know, it's like wherever we meet the patient, wherever they they show up, basically, um, can we use that mm -hmm. as an opportunity to provide, you know, a broader range of services than maybe what they initially came for, uh, or initiate contact or connection with other services that are available to them or that we can provide. Um, that might not be right, you know, offered currently at that, at that location. Thanks, Lucia. Does anybody else want to add to that? Okay, we can move on to the next one. Just um, so again, we're going to go through these. So what about our need to address disparities? We had a couple of different slides that talked about disparities, one that was specific within Alameda Health System. And for those <laughs> patients experiencing homelessness, for example, the depression dis disparity. And then the other one that was more general related to people experiencing homelessness and the health disparities that they face. Was there something specific that you wanted to focus on in this case? One or the other or both? Well, um, so I'd say one of them is poverty in, in the sense of not being able to actually um, uh, pay for health care. Thanks, Mark. Um, I like this point, but I didn't I didn't pick it because I it's a little vague and I think uh, we need to define it more. So maybe that's something that we can do today mm -hmm. or another point if we is if this is something we want to pursue is what specifically are we talking about because there is um, there's a there are a lot of disparities and a lot of different levers and a lot that we do not have mm -hmm. control over so being more specific will help us be more impactful so uh, it would be great to define what that means 
Thanks so much, Neha. Any other comments about the need to address disparities? Uh, this is Lucia. I, I think when I um, think about that one, I, in terms of defining it a little more, I think I'd like to see, um, and we were looking at, I think Ollie's the one that, I forget who it was, uh, I, that slide where it has the different um, health conditions and how they mm -hmm. differ between the general population and you know the homeless population. Um, so maybe looking at that within Alameda Health System, it looked like um, you know, depression was a big one um, based on the other slide also. Um, but mm -hmm. are there things that, you know, just need more support uh, for that just the specific population and kind of really focusing on providing that extra, um, extra support to meeting that need? Um, so maybe it is depression specifically, um, but maybe there's others. Um, Specifically, just because you know our focus is our uh, people experiencing homelessness. Like, what are the things that they just need more, more of, more care and more support and more access to? Kind of even out the the disparity, I guess, or close the gap a bit. Thank you. Anything else on that one before we move on to the next? Um, Heather, um, I had a question about the one, um, and uh, some of our members can help me with this one. Uh, the primary care model of care, even in urgent care, and um, I'm not sure in what respect uh, that's meant. Um, I know there's a fundamental difference um, because someone uh, possibly uh, define, that, define uh, the two um, for me a little bit more. Absolutely. Now you're, you're taking my job, Mark, moving us on to the next uh, sticky. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Primary care model of care even in urgent care. Somebody want to talk a little bit about that, what they mean or what they're looking for. And it did get a lot of support from the, from the team here. Um, I had popped that in. So I, I was talking about uh, emphasizing what we talked about earlier that, you know, there's a, that when people go in, even if they're going into urgent care that we can almost mimic uh, or we can use that as a point of contact for them to get regular care, even if they're coming into urgent care. So how do we, how do we transfer them from always requiring urgent care into primary care by using urgent care as the, as the spot where that starts to happen? When you say urgent care, are you including the emergency department? I wasn't including the emergency department, but I think uh, that might be worth discussing because a lot of people who we see, uh, you know, that our primary point of contact is EDs. So if, oh yeah, uh, you know, so if uh, EDs is the is the place to go, then then yeah, we can definitely do EDs. A lot One of things. After hours too, you know, um, after the urgent care is closed, 
then we'll have people come in during the evening and they're going to go to the ED. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess my point was to capitalize on whichever place is their primary point of contact into the system. And mm -hmm. if it is after hours or urgent care or um, emergency departments, then we use that space to then move them out, you know, start providing them with other comprehensive care so that they then move off needing to come into the urgent care situations in the long term. After we, we work through these themes, we're gonna be moving on to how they relate to the pillars and also the goals. So additional things that you might think about in differentiating urgent care and emergency department in this case is again, this idea of that which is in scope and that which is not and where you might start and where you might end. Um, we're doing a three-year strategic plan. So there may be goals that are related to starting with urgent care because it is part of our scope and then next phases might be um, emergency department, for example. So these are just things to think about. As, as you've described this one as urgent care, there may be a reason that it's um, highlighted as urgent care and not the emergency department. And this is why we need some clarification from you guys as far as what you're thinking and um, just uh, also deciding or thinking through how you might um, cascade goals that you determine are important into the plan, right? Because ultimately we're working towards a strategic plan and using these themes to develop goals. All right, anything else that people wanna say about the primary care model of urgent care? Primary care model of care, even in urgent care? Okay, let's talk about homeless prevention. That's more of a social issue, social um, social worker issue. But I mean, I think it it incorporates into the whole mission statement of the health fan. I mean, that would include getting people signed up. I, I'm assuming, like for Section Eight or if they need a um, interim housing or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think there was a good discussion around the homelessness of the tip of the iceberg slide. Um, and Loretta, you brought up some things people themselves reported on the survey that could have prevented homelessness. And some of those mm -hmm. things were related to like things we do in the healthcare setting around that, like helping people right. get benefits, you know, disability mm -hmm. benefits, for example, um, helping people get income. And I think, I think it was Neha who made the point that, you know, we're seeing a lot of these patients, a lot of people who fall into this category who become homeless, maybe a touch point for them is, is here at Alameda Health System. So mm -hmm. I kind of, I think that's the, the general context that I, I put that, mm -hmm. that um, sticky in. Yeah, I think one of the things I was thinking about with this one um, was, you know, that the the slide where like such a huge portion of our patients that we're identifying as homeless are those that are, you know, in this these 
unstable housing situations, not necessarily on the streets um, yet, or, you know, um, mm -hmm. but I, I wonder if we, there's more we could do to identify people in either those situations or almost in those situations um, and kind of provide um, access to services or resources or um, like where are we seeing patients like, you know, in that place of uncertainty or like, who identifies that um, when they when they encounter um, our, you know, care system. Um, I don't know. So yeah, it's like, it's both providing the service, but also just identifying those people, I feel like for me. That, yeah, that kind of um, reminds me also of in primary care, how we do a depression or a substance um, abuse disorder, you know, with a questionnaire and based on the patient's answers, then additional support is given to them or information about additional support. So I think that would include homeless prevention. If I, I don't know at what point, you know, the, um, our homeless would, would need to see need to see us for health issues per se, if they know that next month they're gonna be evicted, you know, who, who do they go to at that point? Thank you so much. Um, if there's nothing else on that particular one, let's go on to the next one, the follow-up. I think that's so important. I don't know if if the Homeless Health Center does that or um, I, I, I really don't know how the system works, but I know that um, a lot of people that are homeless are gonna need more than one phone call. You know, um, Most of them don't have an address. The majority of them don't have an address unless they're receiving social security benefits and then it has to go to a certain place. But, um, that that seems to be I, I to me I think that's very important the follow up. Would anybody like to add anything else about that? I think it'd be great to look at what resources we have to do follow-up. And I think that could be one place where perhaps integrating with other services might be really useful um, mm -hmm. where follow-up is a part of the services already. And if you could team up there, uh, that would be really helpful because you know, we, we don't, because of the limited resources that we have and, and the fact that they're spoken for, for the most part. Okay, let's um, move on to dropping in or on demand. 
think that speaks for itself, literally, you know, having a place where in primary care, um, I think in primary care, especially where people could drop in, you know, one night a week or whatever, and, and team up with their provider or someone at least within that department that they've seen before. That's how I interpret that. In my experience, the dropping in on demand or dropping in drop in services in particular, uh, youth respond to really well. So if there are, uh, if we're seeing an increase in the 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 youth population among those experiencing homelessness, mm -hmm. then a drop in spot for them might be really beneficial uh, because they do respond well to. <clears throat> sort of less invasive interventions. Spur of the moment things, yeah. <laughs> also. Thanks so much. And then partnership with others. Does anybody want to add more about that? Um, I'd like to um, say something about that. Um, when we were talking earlier about um, trying to provide or how will we provide other services that are not necessarily that may not not necessarily medical, um, but may be interpreted as being more like social services? And um, I think partnership. Um, when I say when I think of partnership in this in, in the context of our program, I'm thinking about other nonprofits out there who also operate in in this space. Uh, who could possibly be good partners in terms of being able to um, um, take on referrals from us, from our patient, uh, for, from patients that we see, uh, to go see our partners um, who can provide um, the other legs of the stool, as it were, that they can provide housing or temporary housing or um, possible um, drug treatment program or anything like that, that uh, we ourselves uh, in our program do not offer, but we can indirectly offer it if we um, were to establish certain um, partnerships um, with other uh, nonprofit um, community services um, in and around uh, the Bay Area. Um, that's what I, that's what I think of when talk about partnership with others. Thanks, Mark. So from that, I heard, um, the partnership primarily outside of AHS and how we leverage them. Yes, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to add? Okay, we're at 2.30. We're gonna move on to the next thing, which is to look at our pillars and how these themes might line up with our pillars, right? So the pillars at Alameda Health System include access, and this is particularly also related to ambulatory care where our homeless health center resides. Access means the right care at the right place with the right coverage. 
It includes experience, a safe, reliable, efficient, convenient, and respectful care. Equity is to address structural racism and reduce disparities. Networking is mindfully dis distributes resources and is a strong medical partner in the neighborhood. I'll fix that typo. Sustainability is to build to optimize resources. Workforce is to develop great people who are engaged problem solvers. And quality is consistently provide all patients with evidence-based care. So we have some of these themes on the other board. And what we're gonna do now is we're gonna map them over to uh, where they fit onto our pillars board. So we're gonna, for example, taking advantage of high points of contact locations for care and connection. Where do you think that might land within our pillars? Would it not fit um, access um, to right care and, and right place, right right coverage? Okay, would you put it here? Um, I think it fits. I, I would think it fits there, but I think it also fits in experience in terms of like convenience and um, working for the patient. Okay. Yeah, this isn't meant too. to be too hard. So um, I, can, I can straddle those two pillars very easily. This is our first look at it, right? To how they relate. Um, I'm gonna go grab another one. We're gonna grab the need to address disparities. See how it matches up. Where do you think this one might go? Um, I think all is the last one. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say maybe and equity. address structural racism and reduce disparities. Both. Kind of says Look, I can make it. That. I can make them. I can make it happen twice. You can <laughs> put it in two places this way as well. How about that? Okay, I'm going to keep grabbing them so that when mm -hmm. we can move them around, um, primary care as a model, even in urgent care. <clears throat> what do you think? Access. Yeah, I like that one. Just leave it right where I dropped it. I think so, yeah. Homeless prevention. Um, quality and okay keep thinking it through I'm yeah. going to go get another one you can always have me move it Which one you got? Uh, now I've got follow-up. Look, I've got all of them. I'm going to get them all and bring them over. Oh, uh, okay. Where's follow-up gonna sit? Maybe, um, maybe in quality? 
I was thinking that too. I think it can go more than one place though. Yeah, I think so too. It can go, um, So, mm -hmm. um, it could kind of fit an experience too, sort of. Follow up, fits an experience too. For as far as the convenience, yeah. Yeah, as far as the convenience, um, but it, it fits both. Okay. There are no wrong answers here. You guys are doing great. Which one? You grab partnership? I did. Okay, well, I, did, but, I, um, I, I didn't do it very well. Hold on. <laughs> I apparently still had a hold of a different one when I did that. Okay, I forgot already which one you have. Partnership with others. Oh, yeah, I think if it's there, networking. Mm -hmm. Also, I think workforce. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, workforce too. Yeah, it kind of fits in workforce too. All right. Now, I only brought over the ones that we talked about that had the most interest. It doesn't mean that these other things um, can't also exist as we're um, describing coming up with goals, right? It just is to mean that the folks that you guys identified these as the things that are probably most important to you as a group. Um, and, and I would continue to encourage you to um, advocate for other ones that you think are super important. You could change the minds of your, of your colleagues as well by, by bringing these others over as well if you'd like. So it doesn't mean they can't be brought over. It's just, um, a sorting mechanism to help us move forward and to help limit so that we're not overwhelmed by the number of things that we want to get done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have discussed some themes here that are important to you. We thought of how they work together with the pillars that which is the Alameda health system and the different um, uh, goals that we have and the pillars, the way we think of things here at Alameda Health System as where they fit. And everything seems to fit within our pillars. So that would be the other thing. If you mm -hmm. had found that one of these didn't fit within the pillars, it might cause further discussion to figure out how does this fit in with Alameda Health System if it's outside of our pillars and does it become a priority or not? I'm going to quickly go to my um, retreat planning slides, just as a reminder as to where we are because I think that I'm at the point where I get to hand it off to Damon to brainstorm some goals related to these pillars and themes. Woohoo! Yeah, it's true. I've done, I've done my part, Damon. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Do you want to pull up the um, slides? Yes, I can. <laughs> One moment, thank you for your patience. I've got um, a lot of things on my, oh, it's got this hand. How do I get rid of the hand? All right, I figured it out. Yeah. 
Right, so I just want to thank everyone uh, for everything so far. I think this is really, really helpful um, for us to understand how to connect with the ambulatory leadership and Alameda Health System and figure out where we can create the strongest touch points for the co-applicant board to influence how Alameda Health System moves forward and for Alameda Health System to report back and and connect um, our work within the system to the goals of the co-applicant board. I really want to thank Lucia and Richard again for helping us kind of figure out what might be the most engaging ways to um, present this information and then engage all of you and um, and then thank all of you for you know really doing the homework ahead of time and pitching in and really participating in a really engaged way. Um, for me, understanding the Sorry, Sorry Heather, can you? <laughs> yeah, what do I need to do? I don't know. I don't know oh, something because I'm hearing myself, myself twice. Okay, okay, got it. Um, thank you. Um, understanding that the, you know, that like for now, many of our themes fell into access and quality categories, for example, really helps me as I'm participating in, you know, the board of trustees processes or ambulatory leadership team processes to say that's something that I need to bring back to my board, right? That's something that they're going to want to weigh in on is this is really shifting our approach to access as a system. Um, so, um, you know, this really helps us get some anchor points. It doesn't mean that we won't be paying attention to all of these pillars. You know, it doesn't mean that we won't continue to have to do all of this, you know, compliance work and reporting work that we're already doing, but it really helps us focus as a board on where to put our energy. Um, so I'm just really grateful um, that we've gotten, I think how, how far we've gotten today on all the topics so far. What I wanna just spend the last little bit doing is, um, you can go to the next slide, um, thinking about um, trying to get closer to operationalizing some of these areas that we care about. And this is an area where, you know, to move toward a strategic goal is going to take um, a lot of conversation, a lot of, you know, uh, connection with what's actually happening operationally inside the system. So I don't expect a list that, you know, you all come up with to be complete. Um, this, is, this is absolutely work that we as staff need to do to support you all to, to make decisions. So this doesn't absolve me and Heather from saying, well, what are some other goals you may not even have thought about that you may want to be, you know, be following along or, or be helping to, to dictate as a, as a co-applicant board. But I did think it would be helpful for us as a co-applicant board to start brainstorming some of these goals um, just as a way to start thinking about, you know, how we might try to improve access, how we might start to address, you know, high points of contact, drop in on demand, primary care and urgent care settings, homeless prevention, partnership with others, some of these things we've just talked about. So earlier on in the process, I think I presented these ideas of, um, you know, what we're going to get to in the components of the strategic plan. And I think um, we're kind of in this goals, priorities, or objective space. So in the Casablanca, Casablanca Health Center example, which I think some of you were able to see the video for earlier in the process, you know, a general kind of goal or priority area would be explore the opportunity to provide additional dental services. And then an objective is like, how will we know if we're successful at that? Well, something for Casablanca was maintaining a payer mix of 70-30 insured versus uninsured. So they could maintain financial sustainability behind that. So I think what we're going to be asking ourselves here is going through some of those um, those priority areas that we've identified. How would we know if we're successful in 
one year or in three years um, and get some brainstormed ideas from you all on that. I see Loretta, you have your hand up there. So do you have any questions or comments on that? Yeah, I have a question. Are you going to go through each one of the uh, themes and let us know um, what's being done already in that area so that we can determine if we have a theme where nothing is being done right now that could be prioritized perhaps? I think I'm going to rely on the last couple of years of presentations. I think you all have seen a good cross section of, you know, what we've been doing as a system. Um, there's, you know, obviously it's, you know, it's a very large health system and you can't have seen everything. So I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of detail that Heather and I will have to fill in, but I think you all have a, a substantial kind of view, view of that already based on what we've done for the last few years. And hopefully okay. those slides we went through at the beginning reminded you of some of the partners that we're working mm -hmm. with the bridge clinic, the care management program, the dental providers who you've come to see, you know, the clinical providers um, in, in clinics. So um, I'm not going mean, to I'm not going to go through and do any review at this point in time, but I think okay. um, we'll just start with the brainstorm. And then as we bring back a draft strategic plan for you all to review, if we add something new to it, of course, we'll give you all the background and explanation for, you know, where that new idea sort of came from. Uh, Damon, uh, yeah. Mark, um, you know what? I do have a question about um, when you're talking about Casablanca, by the way. Uh, in the timeline, um, it says uh, monitor uh, key milestones every three months and begin dental services in one year. Um, my question is, um, um, who has the responsibility of setting those milestones and um, who's to know uh, what those milestones should look like? Yeah, our strategic plan will create a proposal to you all as a co-applicant board to vote on. And, and then, you, you know, you may, you may look at that draft proposal and say, can that be done any faster, Dr. Francis and Heather? Um, or do you think that it's reasonable to do it that fast? Or are you guys being a little bit optimistic and actually it's gonna take more time for us to do that? And we'll have that kind of dialogue with you all in our next October meeting and potentially going forward, you know, if there's more that needs to be fleshed out when we look at the draft plan in October, we may not be able to come back for approval in November. And like we've said before, we've built in some time, right? We have to be done by March with this plan. I think, you know, we still have a couple months for, for us to be able to have that dialogue back and forth as a staff and a board. So definitely in terms of trying to create realistic proposals, that's my job and Heather's job first. You know, we understand, you know, what the timeline are for internal processes, what other things are happening in ways that we could never ask you all to get all the way caught up on. Um, but I think it'll be your job to kind of push and prod us on that and make sure that we're, we're, you know, giving you enough information to decide if that's a reasonable kind of appropriately bold, you know, set of um, goals and timelines to put in front of us. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Um, also, um, um, following that up, um, will we have the power uh, once the proposal is uh, presented to us to actually make amendments? Yes. Yeah, th this is this is your document. Um, you know, there's a lot of complexity, obviously, behind it. And so I think it's our job to try to manage that to something that is, you know, understandable and manageable for you as a board. But absolutely, it's your it's your right to amend the document in, in any way you see fit. As, as it's going to be approved by a majority of board members. So, um, you know, any any revisions are obviously subject to a majority of you all agreeing. Okay. Thank you. 
Great. So what I thought we'd do is just put up the themes again and do another go around. I think we have only a few members left actually at this point in the meeting, um, which is okay. Um, and um, with the themes for everyone who's left to say one theme they care about and one potential goal related to that theme. And for the goal, I would, I would ask you to just think about the question, how will you know in three years that we've been successful in pursuing this theme? So for example, you could pick partnership with others. So my question to you would be, how would you know if you pick partnership with others that we've been successful doing it? What, what sort of goal or milestone or measurement or vision could we hit in three years that would let you know that we're being successful at that? So I thought we could just take, you know, two minutes each to think, and then um, each just pick one theme and one goal underneath that theme to, to present back to us. And then you all are obviously also welcome to send emails, you know, with the same concept and things like that to, to Heather and myself to integrate into the plan moving forward. But just for today, if I can get the four of you who are left to do that, I think that will be a great start. So let's just take a couple minutes to, to think. Um, Damon, uh, do we necessarily have to pick um, the, the, the the popular ones that were pretty much majority adopted? Uh, yes, I think so. I, I think at this point, I'd like to focus on the ones that have the support of a large, num large number of members of the board. So okay. Those are the ones that are more likely to, to be approved by a majority of the board. So okay. I think you're, you're, you're free to pick another one if you'd like, but I, I would say the ones that I'm likely to attend to kind of between now and the next meeting are the ones where we know that a majority of the board are, are, you know, in support of, um, of that, that concept. Right. Great. So let's just take a minute and a half and then I'll, um, ask for volunteers. It's looking... Well, Damon, um, I'm going to speak on one. Um, partnership with others. Um, primarily, I think that um, now maybe I'm being too technical about this, but you, but you did ask the question, um, how will we know if we're successful? And I think the only way we can do that is that um, in whatever partnerships that we should form, uh, if we can, um, and we're allowed to do so uh, in the future um, regarding our patients and referring those patients to partners to other partners uh, that we would require we would we would require some um, some uh, bookkeeping uh, as it were as to um, um, conditions of patients when they come in and conditions of patients when they leave so we can monitor or require that um, outcomes be monitored um, because that's the only way we'll know whether or not our partnerships are working. Also, uh, we, we would have to ask or maybe even insist in some cases, uh, although I don't think too strongly because I think some, some um, 
some community partners out there would, would agree with this, uh, that there has to be open and constant communication so that um, the right hand knows what the left hand is doing, especially when you're dealing with, with a, another entity. And, um, and that would all be kind of baked in the pie as it were, so that we have a standard uh, we have a standard set up between uh, ourselves and our partners of expectations um, that um, that is expected of us by our partners, and um, we expect that of our partners. Um, and I think that would be um, what those measurements would be, and how we and how we want to um, what we want to do, what method do we want to use, and taking those measurements. Is something that we can decide later, but certainly um, it's in my mind that in creating these partnerships, there certainly have to be ground rules and uh, certain openness between uh, both parties um, uh, that, that we can do uh, that we can do uh, business in um, healing people uh, collectively. Great, I think the second one makes makes a lot of sense to me. So the idea uh, is. You know, we, we know we're um, partnering well with others if we have shared expectations around communication and we're evaluating ourselves against those expectations, particularly around openness and, and the constant, the, the consistency of communication. I think my question for your first one was around bookkeeping. You said when patients come in and leave, do you mean in, a, in, a, in the context of a partner? We, we typically don't have people coming in and leaving so much mm -hmm. in our setting you know, providing primary care, but you might, for example, mean when they come in or leave a housing program, we would know something about our patients' outcomes while they're being served by a partner organization. Is that, uh, is that yes, that's what it means. That's okay, what I mean. Great. Okay, great. That's that's really helpful. Um, that's great. That's great modeling. So, I'd love for someone else to go next. With that partnership with others, does that include partnership with different departments within AHS? because um, we would have Epic, some, something in Epic that could keep track of that. I think it Correct. could. I think the, the, the emphasis and the theme before sounded like folks were talking about um, partnership primarily with other organizations, but you know, certainly we have internal partnerships as well. And I think the same, the same types of right, outcomes like the, might apply in that setting. Yeah, like the bridge So like if someone's in a complex care management program or bridge, exactly, right. exactly. And I do we get our food bags in case in case six from the food bank now? Is that where that comes from? So we could keep if we get 50 food bags, I mean 50 food bags a week and they all go, that's some kind of bookkeeping we could keep, right? Yeah, I think that's a good example of of um of something that Mark was proposing, which we can get into in a lot more detail. But I think what I really want to make sure we do right now is for everyone to pick their own theme that they care about and, and do the same thing Mark just did. Just propose some ideas of how will we know we're successful? Like how will we monitor? What are the kinds of things we might do toward that theme? So I don't know if anyone else is ready to go. Um, I, I can go, um, I don't know if it's fully formed completely, but um, I think the one um, that I keep thinking about is, um, I think it's best summarized in the drop-in on demand sticky. Um, and one way that, you know, I want to see 
improvement or kind of see some sort of success or would say it would be successful if I saw an increase um, in the types. Uh, it could be either the, the number of locations that offer drop-in or on-demand services. Um, I, th I think that would be one way. Um, and then the other, um, I think it also falls under the experience. I feel like we could do a better job of asking our patients directly, you know, do you feel like you're able to receive the services that you need uh, in the way that you need them? Um, so kind of getting a baseline versus now versus, you know, after implementing, you know, changes, kind of see um, if that's had an impact in how um, patients experience um, access, you know, or ease of accessing services uh, that they need. Um, so I, th I think. That's that great. So the second one is a, is a, some sort of data that coming directly from patients around their experience that's improved, mm -hmm. that they're able to access the services they need. And, and the patients that we're talking about may not be patients that we're are you currently using our health center. So I think mm -hmm. that's something for us to be creative about, right? Yeah, yeah. you're nodding around that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the first measure is just from our perspective as a system, what's the increase in the availability of a service that we've designed to be a drop-in yeah. service? And have we times? actually, how much of that do we have capacity for now? <laughs> and then in three years time, how much of that do we have capacity for? Exactly. Awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. All right, Loretta or Richard, do you guys have um, some brainstormed areas and goals that you want to share? I think the follow-up, um, it's the same idea. Um, somehow with our wonderful EPIC system, there should be some way that if someone comes into the urgent care and they're homeless or the ED, that that, could, that information could hit over to um, K6. And then somehow someone would be responsible for trying to follow up on that. You know, I, I think that our new system can do a lot of marvelous things um, that we're not even tapped into yet. That's great. Um, so there might be a build stage of that to make sure we actually build the system capability to do that. And then mm -hmm. there would be an actual measurement stage where we say, okay, what proportion of people who came to this setting or that setting, ED, urgent care, mobile health, mm -hmm. bridge clinic, dental, actually got follow-up within a certain period of time in our system. Right, exactly. Um, so that's very specific and helpful and I think totally relates to follow-up. Um, these are great. Yeah, these are off the cuff, but they're, <laughs> they're very good. Um, okay, Richard, do you have any that you want to add? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Um, any, among any of the um, themes that we've prioritized today, um, are there any, would you offer us any ways of thinking about how will we know we've been successful in the area of this theme three years from now? Um, we'll definitely follow up. We'll be able to see um, we'll be able to see a trend of just less numbers um, from the first initial contact to the second contact. Um, 
that's how we'll be able to determine um, if we're following through uh, with our patients, our clients properly. Um, Wait, so yeah, that's echo, a big thing. Echo, you echo Loretta's. Yeah, that, that is a, yeah. that's I'm one sorry, word yeah. I think we're already working on in a small number of settings, but I think what I'm hearing from you all is to amplify the number of settings where we're thinking about that same question. Yeah. Um, which is great. Is there a different one that you wanted to emphasize or, or um, you, you can feel free to just echo Loretta's and, and that's fine. No, that has always been my main thing. Just knowing that people are typically homeless, they're, they're out of sofa uh, surfing or staying with friends and family or whatnot. And so it's, sometimes it is hard to follow up, but it's really important that we do find different creative ways to follow up with our, with our um, patients. Um, to give them the best service that we can. Perfect. Okay, that's great. Yeah, um, we've definitely got that loud and clear. And we'll be, um, you know, brainstorming some of our own, processing these to try to, to, try to make them, you know, both relevant and operational, um, you know, for us. And then for you all to monitor over time as a co-applicant board. And so we'll include, you know, these uh, in our next... Um, presentation to you all as a as a board in the in you know a draft plan and then we'll have some conversation about it then and we'll and we'll move forward to finalize the plan hopefully in november and possibly later depending upon what kind of feedback we get from you all in the future hey, uh, any David, other oh yeah go ahead um, um yeah i um unless someone else wants to take it i i do, I do want to um say something about homeless prevention um uh, go ahead I think we got time for um, one more. Um, with, um, homeless prevention is, is like a big thing. I mean, it, that's, that's no small that's no small job, and um, and we're in the healthcare business. But however, uh, homeless homeless prevention is important because of the impact that it has on the people we serve, um, who were at some time in their lives not always. Were, didn't live entirely their lives homeless. I mean, from birth, uh, they, they had homes somewhere at some point, sometime in their life. And I think that uh, it's important for us to publicly, as a public hospital, uh, as a public entity um, that Alameda Health System is, I think uh, one, one thing we need to keep stressing, uh, no matter uh, who we talk to, um, to stress the idea and kind of bang the idea uh, until people get tired of hearing it, that uh, um, homeless prevention uh, is healthcare. And that um, the public at, at large and us as a society uh, have an important part to play and an obligation uh, to prevent homelessness. And I think that we need to make it more like a campaign uh, not that we're forcing it down everybody's throat that uh, we come in contact with, but uh, that that we still let people know, though, that we do um, as an entity, as a health entity, that we do believe uh, homeless prevention uh, is a health is a um, health uh, health issue. That's great. So I think we can think along those lines of the sort of messaging campaign, what are the elements? You know, we have a, a large communications apparatus at Alameda Health System. Like mm -hmm. we could have, a, you know, a goal sort of related to making sure that homelessness prevention is part of that 
messaging people understand mm-hmm. this is this is healthcare. Um, I think there are still op- there's still room for you know clinical operations to address homelessness prevention. But I really like that you're driving kind of our role as what did we say earlier, like a member of the you know a part of the homeless uh, or of the of the of a healthy community overall, right? Is making sure mm-hmm. that people understand the relationship between homeless prevention and housing. Yeah, uh, yeah well, to me, that's no different than we, uh, than um, doc- doctors who now stress uh, that having a gun in a home is a health issue. Right, right. Well, great. I want to be respectful of everybody's time um, and just really grateful to all of you for um, your engaged participation today, the fantastic ideas, um, and looking forward to continuing this conversation in our next uh, meeting. And with that, I think I turn it over to Loretta next um, to do public comment and close the meeting. Yeah. Well, I think we had a very successful meeting today. A lot of wonderful things came out of it. And um, it gives us a nice, um, a nice, uh, I guess, pathway for us to proceed in the future over the next three years. Um, I guess we can, it's, what is it, 2.56 right now? <laughs> Does anybody else have anything to say? Okay, well, I do, have, uh, I, I do have, a, um, I, I did want to ask uh, clarification from uh, Damon. Um, basically, um, uh, what we did today will uh, be put into sort of a uh, kind of in a three-year plan. I mean, there would be it would be written up as a three-year plan. Um, some of the things we discussed, and that would be presented. Uh, when do you think? Um, in December? No, the the plan is to present you something in October. That's a draft. Uh, oh, um, I see. Okay. And you know, our, our plan, we discussed this with Lucia and Richard is to keep it very um, short and to the point, you know, um, and, and focused, you know, that we have priority areas, we have some activities and goals within those areas. Obviously we have a whole lot of things that we have to do at the health center, no matter what. So a lot of what we've been doing already, you're gonna keep seeing us do these regular reports around things that we're doing, but this is an additional thing for like these focused areas that we really wanna drive some change in our system. And so I want to keep that easy for us to engage with and use. It's not going to be like a big, long, drawn out thing. But, you know, we're thinking of like something five to six pages, just, you know, straight to the point that we can bring back with some regularity mm-hmm. to you all for us to make adjustments in it and say, wow, this one doesn't make that much sense anymore. Let's, let's move in this direction or that direction. So we're planning to bring you back something in, in October. Um, and, it okay. won't, you know, it, 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 because it's not going to be full of, you know, academic type writing or anything like that. Not, I think we have what we need from this conversation and, you know, mm-hmm. a few more things that Heather and I can do to get that to you at, in time. Okay, great. Okay, if there's nothing else, uh, we are, are, we are finished at 2.58 p.m. So, uh, Damon, I meet you downstairs? Uh, yeah, or I'll, 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 yeah, I'll meet you downstairs. I'll just walk around the corner. Okay. Um, all. all right. Thank you, everyone. Okay.